We're, we're a couple of miles from the Blue Ridge Parkway, a mile from the Appalachian Trail. So a lot of people congregate here to get away. So if I if I come up here and I hear banjo music. It's a good thing here. It's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. When the banjos stop, that's when there's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another trip down the Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. We would like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of the Bourbon Road. Find out more about their fine rustic furniture at logheadshomecenter.com. We would like to thank our friends at Premium Bar Products for sponsoring this episode. If you're ready to step up your game at your home bar, check out premiumbarproducts.com to choose from their wide selection of glassware, all of which can be custom engraved with your personal message or logo. And there's no minimum order. So after the episode, head over to premiumbarproducts.com and check out everything they have to offer. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. This is Jim Shannon, and I am without Mike today on the road in Virginia, uh, missing Mike, but Mike is leading a Weller tasting this weekend in Shelbyville, Kentucky. I wish him all the luck on that. Uh, But I'm in Virginia. I'm in Montebello, Virginia with our old host, Randy Menick. Randy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on. Welcome to Virginia. Yeah, it's nice of you to invite us into your home. And uh, for the past couple of days, we've been experiencing all things Blue Ridge Mountains on the backs of ATVs, walking the trails, climbing steps up, just seeing it all. It's been a real blast to be out here with you guys and sitting by the fire and eating hot dogs. That was good, too. There you go. Um, You know, West Virginia people say almost heaven. And those of us over here in Virginia say, just come a little further east and you will be in heaven. As Blake Shelton says, this is God's country. it, It is God's country. And there are more... I guess, hardwood trees in the Shenandoah Valley than anywhere else in the country. So the falls here are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And so uh, you came just after peak season, but, you know, glad you're here. And uh, Virginia, this part of Virginia is known more for their cideries, you know, for for the orchards and, and, you know, apple cider and whatnot. But they do some bourbon in Virginia, believe it or not. I think the rest of the world kind of knows they do bourbon over here, but they don't get a lot of attention. So today we're doing Virginia whiskeys, and you brought a Virginia bourbon that we're going to have in the first half. This is true. What'd you bring for us? uh, So it's called Bare Knuckles, and I happened to see see Bare Knuckle um, from K&O Distillery. K&O is out of Manassas, Virginia. Manassas. Now that's about about 20 minutes south of D.C., right? Well, remember the the first battle of Manassas or Bull Run, people came out of D.C. to actually watch the battle during during the Civil War. So it's not far. K&O Distillery was started by Carlson and and Amara. And uh, these guys here, uh, I guess they met, from what I can understand, at... uh, the Merchant Marine Academy okay. and had been friends ever since. And uh, um, Omar there, I, I, from what I can understand, actually graduated from the, what, what did we, they call that over there? Moonshine um, 
University. Oh, in, in Louisville, Kentucky. In Louisville, Kentucky. So there's a, there's your connection there between Virginia and, and Kentucky. Now, Moonshine University has trained a lot of distillers. No doubt about it. So so he graduated in two thir- 2013, and I guess they have been distilling. I, well, this distillery actually opened up, I think, broke ground in 2015 and have been doing it ever since. I actually saw uh, somebody from Kano Distillery talking about bare knuckle on a program that had to do with law, you know, and, and, and jurisdiction of distilled spirits in Virginia. <laughs> all right. Well, before we disclose the, the proof and the mash bill and all those things, why don't we go ahead and get straight to the whiskey like we like to do here. Uh, okay. And uh, we'll do that blind to the specs. How's that? Blind to the we specs. We just know okay. that this is a straight bourbon, right? It is. And yes. a straight Virginia bourbon. Yes. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. It's got a little bit of youth to it. But it's not like an extremely young bourbon. It's just uh, sort of a an adolescent. So these are supposed to be at least two years, right? Okay. To be straight. This one here says thirty-seven months, so just over three years. Okay. So they're pushing that four-year point. They are, and, and you know, perhaps it was something they tried and they released it a little bit early because it's actually, I think it's actually not bad. Okay, so I'm getting I'm getting a pretty nice nose on it. Now, youth aside, I am getting that corny sweetness that you would expect, and we'll find out about the mash bill later. But I'm also getting a nice uh, a nice little bit of uh, spiciness, not too much, which is kind of interesting because this is the mash bill on this is seventy percent corn, twenty percent wheat, ah! and ten percent malted barley. So the so the spice I'm getting on the nose is not from the rye, it's but it's from, from the barrel. There you go. So you got well, you get the same thing sometimes with like a Weller or another weeded whiskey. Right, you right. can get fooled by it sometimes. That sweetness it comes off on a little bit of caramel. The vanilla is prevalent, I think, yes. on it. Um, it doesn't have like an it doesn't have like an amazing nose on it. It's just got sort of an average average bourbon nose, I would say. Let's take a sip. All right. That's sweet, and and I'm getting that spiciness on this on, on right the, on that and, and palate anyway. There's sure. no rye here, but it's a little spicy. It is, which is interesting. But it's it's not too bad. Finish probably is a little more, but as it ages, I don't think that finish is going to be quite as bitter. It's a little nutty though, for me. Well, almost like peanut. Yeah, like peanut brittle. Yeah, you know. Yeah, perfect peanut brittle. Peanut brittle, and uh. But, you know, Virginia has a nice, wonderful, clean water source, you know, in, in some good places and good water, water source. You know, it doesn't have the limestone to filter the water, per se, but, you know, and a, and a good place to grow some good grains. So it doesn't surprise me that, that Virginia probably has some pretty good bourbons here. Now, that's got a bit of hug to it. I'm surprised. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I expect that of a young, a young one, more of a hug than the, the smoothness of something that's been aged. Now, do we know, is this is this a column stilled or a pot stilled whiskey? I don't know that. Don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. I'd have to try to do some more research on them. But I just happened to see them mentioned on the program. They were talking about, you know, here in, here in Virginia, you only can get your hard liquors from a Virginia ABC store. So for people who don't know what an ABC store is or what a controlled state is, right. can you sort of 
Uh, so, What's it like living here? Okay, so I, I first thing I had to do was go when you're used to Kentucky and going into any ma and pa place and getting, you know, somebody saving you something or whatever, even a big liquor barn like there in Middletown, you know, outside of Louisville. Uh, a lot of choices. Not so much in a Virginia ABC. So ABC, from what I, you know, I had to go look it up. See, it's Alcoholic Beverage Control Authority is what that stands for. So from what I understand is we know that prohibition was brought in with the 18th Amendment. Right. And the 25th Amendment is the one that took prohibition out. And the second section of that actually gave control to the states to regulate you know, so each of the states at that point has the opportunity to set their own rules regarding right how to control liquor in the state. And it's usually set up in a three-tier system. So you have your distiller, you have your, dis- your distributor, and then you have your retailer that sells it. So the Virginia ABC takes care of those second and third steps. So they're the distributor and the retailer. The retailer. They corner the market, basically. But it's done for the good of Virginia citizens. Oh, doesn't the government always do it for the good good. of the citizens? So, you know, we, you can't control yourself. We're going to help you. (laughs) And so, um, but you were in one, yeah, Virginia ABC, you know, we do have some, some choices for bourbons here. Yeah. Kentucky. So you, you walk into the ABC store here and it's, you know, there's not a lot of marketing going on or anything in there, but you come into the store and it's not all that different from any other, uh, bottle shop that you would go into. I mean, they've got they've got a good selection of bourbons. They had two good long shelves here of bourbons, uh, and a large number of the top shelf. I think they're promoting their own stuff. All the Virginia bourbons were on the top shelf. Right? How about that? <laughs> Whether they were priced that way or not, whether they're priced that way or right. So there were probably eight to ten Virginia bourbons in all. Yeah, most of them were whiskeys. Or, or let's not say, yeah, whiskeys. Just whiskeys. Yeah. yeah. Rise, American whiskeys, and bourbon. Right. Yeah. And so um, I, I just wanted to try this one just because, you know, let's see what it's all about. You know, most people have heard of Bowman, but even though Bowman, the name Bowman is, is you know, famous here in Virginia, I guess you could say. Um, there's some other things going on with Bowman that a lot of people don't know, which you could probably tell. So Bowman and, and people around uh, across the country are familiar with uh, Bowman whiskey. It, uh, and many people know that that whiskey does not originate at Bowman. Right. Yeah, it's it's sourced whiskey. In fact, it's coming out of Kentucky. Yeah. And we won't talk too much about that because we're here today to talk about whiskeys that are actually distilled and bottled in the state of Virginia and uh, that are also available outside the state of the Virginia. And it's not just bourbons, but it rise. And I would say in Virginia, there seems to be a bit more rye than bourbon. Yes. So what I, when I was actually going, okay, why is, what's the connection with Virginia and Kentucky? Most people understand that the Western part of Pennsylvania was all in, in arrears when the Whiskey Rebellion came around and Alexander Hamilton said, you know, to pay for the Revolutionary War, we were going to tax whiskey. You know, we're going to tax spirits. And I think it was about nine cents a gallon. That's a lot back in those days, sure. you know? So they were all in arrears and, you know, the Whiskey Rebellion gets put down and a lot of them come down to Kentucky. But what a lot of people don't realize is that those who fought in the Virginia militia 
in the Revolutionary War were given tracts of land in what is now Kentucky. So they, they're given these tracts of land and they go there and they end them. So, you know, George Washington was known for his rye whiskey, number one distiller in the country. At Which one we time. were looking for a bottle today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can get it. It's just going to be, it's not something you can just go find in the regular store. Uh, but in 1799, I know this, this one for a fact, George Washington out of Mount Vernon there distilled 11,000 barrels of whiskey, made about 7,500 bucks that year. And he was the number one distiller in, in the country at that he, time. Wait a second. He made 11,000 barrels of rye whiskey. Right. And that earned him $7,800. Netted, netted him. Netted him. Netted him. Oh, so he, profit of $7,800. Profit of $7,500. I was going to say, otherwise, that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and, and people think that he's the one that kind of put, he, he was responsible for putting down the Whiskey Rebellion, but he was paying his taxes like everybody else was. It was the little guys that it hurt, you know. And so, anyway, these guys were given tracts of land, so they come over and they find that rye doesn't grow quite as well in, in Kentucky as it did in the northern parts of Virginia. And yeah. so you got all that extra corn. What are you going to do? And, you know, of course, the rest is history. But so it was a mandate to plant corn, more or less. Yeah. They had to plant corn. I think, I think to homestead, you had to have, was it five acres you had to grow? Whatever. Um, if you read about Daniel Boone, he was part of That's how you establish that. your homestead. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so you had to do something with the surplus. And one of the big things about the Whiskey Rebellion was that uh, you couldn't pay in whiskey. You had to pay in cash. And a lot of these guys, whiskey was cash, you know? And so anyway, so Virginia has ties to Kentucky this way anyways, because some of those militiamen came over into Kentucky, what is now Kentucky, and set up, still basically started distilling whiskey in like 1790, you know? So. Well, as I continue to sip on this, the palate is, it's a bit, um, leveled out it doesn't jut out too much in any one area mm -mm. um it is it does have that corn sweetness it's got that little bit of spice now knowing it's not rye spice it's barrel spice it's got a little bit more hug than i would expect it's not overly ethanol-y but for a young whiskey i i'm actually slightly impressed yeah you know? i think so for a, for a fairly young whiskey you know for me Bourbon. i probably this wouldn't be a daily sipper for me no um but it would be a great mixer It'd be a great mixer. I, I agree. In fact, somebody we know very well is actually in the other room right now uh, having this <laughs> yeah, in a mixed yeah, drink. So, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Bare knuckle. It's supposed to uh, commemorate the women of the early 1900s who actually got in the ring and boxed. So, oh, really? Yes. So. Well, that's an interesting story. It, uh, isn't, it, isn't it, though? So it's Yeah, boxing work. at the turn of the century was you didn't wear gloves. At the very most, you would have a, a right. patch of leather over your knuckles, right? Right. And and so it's got a woman on the front of this, you know, in her boxing pose and, and uh, you know, straight bourbon whiskey distilled at 90%. So... 90 proof. I mean, so, me. Randy, what have you been up to? So, you've been outside of Kentucky now for what, about 18 months? No, just over a year. Actually. Just a little yeah. over a year? And just getting settled up. You know, you're literally a mountain man now. No. Jeremiah Johnson. No, I still get that. You ain't from around here, are you, boy? <laughs> and so, I still, I still get that. But, um, man, it's, uh, it's a different kind of life as, you, as you've seen, but it's, it's great. You know, ride around on the four wheeler and, yeah, yeah, so you do not have cell service here. No. 
And you live literally on top of the mountain. On this, on top of this ridge. On top yes. of this particular ridge of the yes. mountain, which is pretty up, pretty up, pretty yeah. high. But we're about 2,800. It's not, not real high, but the rate of ascent mm -hmm. from down in the, in the yeah. valley coming up here. Is which great. is more or less down there is more or less sea level. Yeah. And you're building a house that's about another thousand feet up, right? Right. And that house literally sits on the edge of the ridge Over overlooking another ridge that's even taller in the valley below. And you can almost see Crabtree Falls from there, but not quite. It's not around quite. the corner. Around the corner. So anybody that's not familiar, Crabtree Falls is about a 1,200-foot natural falls uh, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's, um, would, you, would you say it's positioned equally between uh, Lexington and Stanton? Um, or even Lynch, Lynchburg and Stanton. It's because you can't say equal between, yes, but over over to to the okay. east more so um but if you're in richmond it's about a two hour two hour drive if you're in charleston west virginia uh three three or so three or so yeah if you're in rich and if you're in washington dc probably it's about at, three hours about yeah. three hours yeah. okay all right so not too far to get down here you want to take a, a drive on the blue ridge parkway we're, we're a couple of miles from the blue ridge parkway a mile from the appalachian trail so a lot of people congregate here to get away. So if I if I come up here and I hear banjo music, it's a good thing here. It's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. If, when the banjo stop, that's when there's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody I've met up here has been really nice, and you know, it seems like a great community. It's a small community. Yes. I mean, how many people live within a mile of you? I, I want to say. So, you know, we just had the election mm -hmm. and I think there was 400 and something voters that are registered to vote okay. over here at the volunteer fire department. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's not a lot, a lot of people here. Yeah. Beautiful place. I love it. I think I'll be able to retire here pretty well. well you've settled in pretty good. All right, Randy. Well, let's continue sipping on our bare knuckle. And when we come back, we'll take a little break. Gotcha. And when we come back, I have got a Virginia whiskey for you. You already know what it is, but you haven't tasted it yet. No, I haven't. All right. We'll talk to you. like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of The Bourbon Road. Logheads Home Center, nestled in the hills of Kentucky, is an industry leader in building handcrafted rustic furniture. Family owned and operated, they take pride in offering only the very best for their customers. The Logheads, and that's what they like to call themselves, are skilled woodcrafters who are passionate about creating rustic furniture for people who appreciate the beauty of natural wood. Owners Tommy and Gwen don't just sell the rustic lifestyle, they live it. And you can be sure that Logheads Furniture will always be handcrafted in Kentucky by artisans who embrace the simple way of life. Logheads Rustic Furniture is made from northern white cedar, a sustainable wood that's naturally rot and termite resistant. Its beauty and quality will add warmth to your earthy lifestyle for generations to come. Be sure to check out everything they have to offer at logheadshomecenter.com. And while you're at it, Give Tommy and Gwen a shout on Facebook or Instagram at Logheads Home Center. 
Okay, well, we are back, and um, I, I kind of really enjoyed that bare knuckle from the first half. Uh, I think as we continued to sip on it during the break, um, I, I gained a little respect for it as a younger whiskey, but I think they're doing some things right there. Oh, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. After you get past the acclimation stage, it, it, it kind of grew on me a little bit. Yeah, I look forward to... Um, What's hearing more from them as as their as, stocks. Three, yep. yep. Yeah, I, I agree. Good Give them another two or three, four years and, and see what this is. Yeah, like. I think those young notes will start to disappear. It'll start to you know get a little bit more richness to it. Yep. And, but the the basics there, the basics are there. They're, they are. And yep. and I'm I'm tasting a couple of little different things. Like I, I don't know that I've ever gotten like a peanut or a peanut brittle. Yeah. You know, the nuttiness was there, but it was more of a nutmeg or or a pecan, you know what I mean? This was a little bit different. So, well, well, Jim, I wanted to take a take a minute to to congratulate you and Big Chief. Oh, Mike, you guys have been killing it. I mean, you have people listening to us in Australia. We do a long way off. And when you and I first started this, we couldn't. We'd have to slap somebody upside the head to get 50, 50 listeners. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. it takes a while to build uh, a following. I mean, it's a very competitive world. You know, bourbon podcasts are lumped in with food podcasts and right. wine podcasts and beer podcasts. And, you know, as far as, um, you know, Apple iTunes, what now is called Apple Podcasts is concerned, we're all one big happy family, right? Right. Food, drinks, that kind of stuff. It takes a while for people to find <clears throat> you in that little... It does. And people are looking at ratings, you know, advertisers are looking at ratings, right. people are looking at ratings and reviews. And, uh, you know, it just takes a while to build up that following and start climbing the charts and get to a place where you're kind of comfortable and doing well. Right. And, and I want to send a shout out to the roadies, the yeah. bourbon roadies. This is, man, I'll tell you what, I enjoy every now and again, I'll get on Facebook or whatever, you know, uh, Instagram and, and see, you know, somebody found a unicorn, you know, hey, I've been looking for months for this one particular thing here. And so... What a community. Yeah. Bourbon Roadies, you guys are awesome. Thanks for listening to these guys because they're doing it right for you. And uh, anyway, keep up the good work. And you're a roadie. Oh, yeah. You're one of the original roadies. Yeah, I, <laughs> probably so. Almost yeah. the original roadie. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's fun keeping up with you guys. Yeah. So, con you know, congratulations. And uh, y'all keep doing what you're doing and keep, hey, roadies, keep traveling down that bourbon road. We will. We're lucky this time the road led to Virginia. Virginia, yep. And uh, happy to be here. I I am bringing to you today a rye whiskey from Virginia. And Vir oh, and what a big surprise, Jim. <laughs> a rye from you? <laughs> and, you know, Virginia, as we discussed in the first half, is well known for rye. Yes, it is. Uh, one of the most famous humans on the planet made some of the very best rye of the time well, here at, in Virginia. At the time, yeah. That we, we yeah, know, we, so. we, we won't say it's better than stuff made <laughs> and, today. And you know what? You're going to have to come back and we'll go to Mount Vernon and get some. Yeah. Because the only way you can get George Washington's rye whiskey is to either go to Mount Vernon or have it shipped somewhere in the D.C., Virginia area. Yeah. But we'll do that. Save that for another time. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun because I yeah. really like to taste that. We we have had uh, some people on the show before that have talked about that. Chris, Chris Morris, when we did that over there at Woodford with Chris Morris and you know Elizabeth O'Neill McCall, he was talking about how they put that steel back together. I think it was two thousand five. Yeah, and uh, 
But I understand you have a rye for me here that's been very well uh, been awarded. Probably yeah, the most so, awarded whiskey in Virginia. So yeah, so the Catoctin rye. Um, now, how do you say that? I'm assuming I'm right. Catoctin. I'm going to call it call it a concoction. So okay. yeah, go ahead. <laughs> C-A-T-O-C-T-I-N. Catoctin Creek. And they're out of uh, an area west of Washington, D.C., very near Harper's Ferry okay. called Purcellville. And, uh, you know, it's, um, there's, they have a female master distiller there. Oh, wow. Okay. So Becky Harris is their uh, chief distiller there. And, you know, they make, um, some well-received whiskeys there and their rye is, um, well-respected and what, and has received many awards. And I've not had it before personally. I never I, have either, even though I've, I lived here. So as a rye lover, I'm ready to try a Virginia rye. Sure. Uh, this one we're having today is the Catoctin Creek Roundstone Rye. Uh, this is a distiller's edition rye. So it's oh. they have an 80 proof, and then this is a 92 proof distiller's edition. It is called the Roundstone Rye, and it is, uh, it's a single barrel. And uh, it's not age stated, though. So we're not sure of the age of this. But it is 100% rye mash bill. 100%. 100% rye. So we both know from the many discussions we've had with distillers in the past that that's quite the challenge is to make a high rye rye mash bill because rye doesn't play well in the fermenters. It tends to like to bubble up and overflow. Well, I'll tell you what, the, they, they played well on the nose on this thing. Yeah, let's check it out. Butterscotch? Am, am I off? Way yeah, off no, there? I'm getting butterscotch, but I'm also getting that um, that barrel oak, you know, that barrel right. note that um, I don't want to call it young oak because it's not young oak. I'm getting that uh, youthful oak note to gotcha. it. It does have a good nose. Um, not great, but good. I think I enjoy that. It's got a little bit of a fruity note to the, to just a hint of a fruity note there, but it's got some, um, some anise. I always say anise. That's my, that's my reference to a licorice anise fennel kind of yeah. thing. Almost, yeah. almost like a liqueur. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the, the, the smell is. But I like it. The yeah. only thing for me is that, that sort of a, that little bit of a woody note there. Gotcha. You know, a little bit off-putting, but not too bad. All right, let's taste it. Cheers. All right, so cheers. Oh, that's sweet. Sweet, and it's smooth all the way across. Yeah, yeah it doesn't have that mid-palate spice, but it really gets you on the sides and the back of the yeah. tongue. Yeah. Kind of sits there. I, I want to continue sipping on that. I, I thought that I would get something across the middle, and I did not. It went straight, straight across and back, and the finish was actually... Yeah. Yeah. And so the oak is coming through a little bit more and not so youthful on the back of the palate. So it actually, it's a nice oak on the back of the palate. But even though I smelled butterscotch, I did not taste it. I got almost like a vanilla cream kind of thing, you know? <clears throat> you know, it's, um, it, it does have a very nice mouthfeel. It's got a, uh, Kind of an oily, buttery, but it dissipates real. It's quickly. Is this? It, let me check the bottle here. Okay, this is not chill filtered. Okay. Yeah, it dissipates. Um, it the finish on it is uh, kind of medium. Yeah, I think. 
And we don't know the age on this at all, then. It's not stated. Now, I've heard that they use uh, smaller barrels. I've heard that they... So, now, I, I can't confirm How that. small? I mean, 30 gallon. 30 gallon. 30 gallon wow, barrels, okay. which are not, you know, they're not 15 gallon, but right. smaller barrels. Whether or not they still do that or that's their way of operating now, I'm not sure. But, you know, Catoctin Creek, if you're listening to this, uh, reach out to us. We're, we're happy to make any corrections that we might get wrong. Uh, but I will tell you this. I like it. I do. I think it's a good rye. I think it's got um, a nice, it's not a balanced, because the nose and the palate are not really joined well together, but they're both enjoyable. I think the nose a little bit got that youthful oaky note to it. But, right. But the palate, um, palate's a little bit better on that part. And, you know, there was the day way back when, when I didn't think I would like a rye. And then along came the Carters and that number three. <clears throat> and then Wilderness Trail did something right. And Jim turned me on to these ryes. And you know what? I really like them now. You know, when I'm drinking whiskeys that are under four years in age, sometimes I get this note. And it's kind of, and I, and I don't know how to put my finger on it. But have you ever had a Necco candy? No, I have not. They're like a wafer, chalky wafer candy. Oh, okay. Okay. It's probably been a while since you had one, but they're like a chalky wafer. And every now and then I will get that, but I don't remember the last time I got that on a rye, but I'm getting a little bit of it now. Really? On the finish, a little bit of chalkiness, kind of a, um, a little bit drying. I like the finish on it. I think it outperforms the front end of the palate. I think it it's... It's kind of a little, it's it's the nicer part of this. Okay. I will agree that it outperforms the front. Yeah. Uh, so in that case, when you have the back of the palate and the front of the palate disjointed, the nose disjointed from the palate, you're yep. talking about something that's not well balanced. But balance isn't always what you're going for, right? Nope. Sometimes you're looking for that something out of the box, something a little bit different. I think this is a good rye. I think 92 proof is probably um, still a bit low for it. Um, I think that, you know, they're, they have their 80 proof expression and the 92 proof expression. I would be looking for something a little bit higher proof on and this. And you know me, if it's at that 100 bottle and bomb level kind of thing, that's that's kind of where I'm at. 100 is just, I don't know, 100% me. <laughs> yeah. Well, for this one, I think it's fair to say that... Uh, I would sip on this because oh, I yeah. think it's very respectable. I think it it earned its awards. They're quite well-deserved. Um, I've got a particular rye I like the profile that I'm after. Right. This doesn't necessarily match that, but that doesn't mean it's not a good rye. This is probably something that a lot of people would find very nice. So if I'm sitting around the fire and I bring this out and I say, Jim... Have some of this. You'd be okay. Oh, I'd absolutely be okay. okay. I would yeah. love to sip on this. This is fine. It's just not in my it's not in my core profile. I think those youthful oak notes that I'm getting from it, they're kind of an indication, I think. Maybe, maybe if they are still using the smaller barrels, those smaller barrels will introduce that oak quicker into that smaller and, amount of juice. And stay for a longer period yeah. of time, probably. Yes. So, but anyway, my hat's off to Catoctin Creek. I think they've made a fine whiskey here. I think for me, it's a sipper. Probably not going to share a bottle with some, you know, not going to invite my friends over and say, hey, you got to try this Catoctin Creek. 
probably not going to uh, wrap up a bottle as a gift and give it to somebody. But uh, will I sip on it around the fire? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I didn't know what to expect from some, you know, what Virginia was doing. You know, when you get in Kentucky, you kind of get spoiled, I guess you could say. And uh, came over here. But I, I'm pleasantly surprised yeah. with both both of these, with Bare Knuckle and... and uh, yeah, I think I think both of these distilleries, they're both young distilleries. Once, uh, so, Catoctin Creek started in 2009. Okay. And Bare Knuckle started in 2015, you said, right? right? So these are both relatively young distilleries that are still finding their way, finding their path to what they want to be long term. And, uh, you know, it's very difficult in the beginning, particularly in the middle of a whiskey boom, no bourbon boom, that um, you would you would produce whiskeys and have a hard time, you know, keeping the shelves full because they're under such great demand. Right. So a lot of times it's hard for them to have aging stocks, you know, that are uh, maturing to the level where you and I like to see them right. simply because they're flying off the shelf so fast that they've got to just keep producing. Right. So I think they'll get a chance in the future to catch up. To, and, to, to put some in reserve and actually age some and experiment on that back into that. And, and hone their craft and decide, you know, which expressions need a little more t TLC and which ones are already spot on and they just want to continue to age. So... Uh, yeah, hats off to both these distilleries. Catoctin Creek, I think, uh, is a little more well-known and white, more widely distributed than Bare Knuckle. Um, I know... Well, KO, this isn't all that KO does is the Bare Knuckle, but it's it's still... You know, I had never heard of it before until I saw that program. Because, you know, I go... You know, when I first go in and I start looking at bourbon, see, this isn't where I would have looked first, you know? We had to kind of seek these out, if you will. Sure, and, and absolutely. So, um, but I'm like you, hats off. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in the future. Right. So um, you and I are still spending a little bit of time together. We've been here for, with you guys for three days now. And uh, in the course of those three days, you have absolutely introduced us to uh, the Appalachian lifestyle. Well, what did what did you think about the cideries? Because Virginia is, you know, really known for that, and it was something, believe it or not, Thomas Jefferson really enjoyed doing over at Monticello too. And so, um, you know, um, you guys had a little bit of that experience today. Yeah, I thought it was good. We visited two different cideries, and so I was a little bit surprised at what a Virginia cider is. Um, as Virginia cider is a little bit more like what you would expect to get in a brew pub if you order a cider. A little bit more effervescent, more uh, seltzery. Seltzery, yeah, that's a good word. Kind yeah. of a, in my history, in my past, I'm more used to more of a hard cider, non-carbonated? Um, Car yeah, yeah non-carbonated ciders. But that's the way they do it here. And, and so I'm used to North Georgia cider. Yeah. You know, and um, these aren't quite as sweet. In yeah. fact, I heard somebody, it was almost like a uh, an apple beer a little bit, yeah. or an apple seltzer like you would Yeah, say. and the flavors are faint. Yes. So they're faint. So if they... It's not if, in your face. You're not going to get cinnamon all up in your face. This right. is just a little, it's a little bit different. It's different. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. The cideries here are beautiful. Uh, you know, they're, they're just like what you would expect uh, going to a distillery. Uh, a small craft distillery in anywhere else, you know, right. you're going to find uh, the equipment and the bar and the tasting bar and the, 
shop and the you know all the things you know the the flights and the other things that you do it's just it's pretty neat a lot of things to do in virginia just saying yeah well i particularly enjoyed uh your introduction to atv cross country it's, it's a little different yeah what you'll find in in parts of well say south georgia and tennessee you can get some of this in tennessee and eastern kentucky but you almost do a little rock hopping here yeah and so um yeah, it's and you know how many people get to run an ATV trail down down the side of the Ty River, you know? <laughs> yeah, so you took us to a, a little hidden waterfall. I shouldn't say a little. We're not going to tell anybody where it is, but you took me to a waterfall that is probably two to three hundred feet tall, right? And hundreds and hundreds of thousands of gallons coming through that a minute. I mean, just a, a wash. You you came here right after a rain. Yeah. So you're going to get that, you know, during the summertime. It, it's not a trickle. There's always water on that particular waterfall. Just like there's always water coming down Crabtree Falls. You know, you're always going to get it because we're at the top, you know. But um, you came right after that. And so whereas I would have walked across, I'm not going to do that now. I'll yeah. be a washed away. <laughs> So if somebody's coming to this area and they say, hey, you know, I want to go to the the Blue Ridge Mountains and I want to go to the Appalachian Trail. And I want to go to the, you know, the area that Jim and Randy talked about on the show that time. Uh, you know, what are they looking for here? What, what where, should, where, should, where should they go and what should they visit? Well, if you're talking about just the Montebello area here, there's only about two or three places. So, you know, you've got the Montebello uh, where the Montebello Country Store is. There's a campground right across from there in a little trout pond. Just down the road from there is Crabtree Falls, and they've got a little camping area there. If you want a place to stay, a lot most people come here to hike. Uh, like I said, Montebello itself is less than a mile from, you know, the trail leading up to the Appalachian Trail, and Spy Rock and the Priest are there. We talk about beautiful places. So Spy Rock to go. and the Priest, those are two places that are well known on the Appalachian well, they, Trail. They are, and people will make day trips there and head out before sunrise so they can watch the sun. And how field. far from here, if we hop on the Blue Ridge Parkway, how far from here to say Wintergreen Ski Resort? Uh, from here, you know, you're probably looking at 35 minutes or so okay. um, when you don't run into fog like we did when we were on there. But um, so, so yeah, Wintergreen Ski Resorts, you know, for, less than 45 minutes away. And, and, and from Wintergreen, you've got cideries, you've got distilleries, you've right. got uh, breweries, you've got all kinds of different places oh, you yeah. can go to, a lot of different restaurants. Uh, what about historical places? Uh, well, just down the road from Montebello is where Cyrus McCormick basically... I guess you could say presented the first grain reaper and went on to do, you know, to start International Harvester and any farmer around knows what International Harvester is. So it started out as McCormick and then McCormick Deering and, and, and became and International, International Harvester. Harvester. Yeah. And so the first grain reaper was actually, you know, tried out right here in Steele's, you know, down the road there in Steele's Tavern. And so, you know, down the road is where Sam Houston was born. And then you get to Lexington and, you know, there's, you know, Robert E. Lee's buried there with his horse and family and, you know, um, Stonewall Jackson's place is, is there. And, you know, Monticello's basically right which, outside of. Which uh, is Thomas Charles. Jefferson's home. Right. And then we're, uh, like you said, two hours from Richmond, three hours from D.C. So there is both 
Civil War and Revolutionary, Revolutionary War, War historical sites around That's here. That's true. And and you know, three hours to jump on, you can you can head down and hit the Amtrak train and, and stand in there and head up to DC and you know, take some transportation in or try to drive yourself. And Smithsonian's there. And you know, I will say this about the Smithsonian. I had an uncle take me there when I was a teenager. And at that time, what one of the people at the museum told us is you could stand in front of every item on display at the Smithsonian for two seconds, and it would take you 70 years to see everything they had to see. And everything that they have is not on display. I thought I'd seen it all. I lived in D.C. for, well, I didn't live in D.C. I actually lived in Woodbridge, which is very close to Manassas. Right. And I worked in Arlington at in Crystal City. and. Uh, Every member of my family would come visit and my friends would come visit and anybody I knew in my entire life would come visit because now they knew somebody in Washington, D.C. Right. So um, on everybody's list was the Smithsonian. And uh, it seems like I felt like I'd seen the whole thing. But I obviously, from what you just said, not even close. No, there's just, there's just so much. And in the history here, most of it is. A lot of it, you know, the, you got the 1700s and then you got Jamestown just down the road there, you know, Roanoke, Roanoke. And, and so, yeah. you know, we're talking 1600s. Yeah, you're in the core of like uh, early, early American history here. Yeah. There's a lot of. And, and I love it. My, my wife accuses me of reading the sign. She goes, you read the sign. Tell me what it said. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of great stuff to do here. I'm, I'm going to be very satisfied to go pour me a cup of coffee and sit out on that deck and look out over the ridge. Watch the seasons change and, uh, you know, who knows, sip on some good stuff. And well, Randy, it's been a pleasure to visit with you again. I think um, you're, you will always be um, an honorary co-host of the Bourbon Road. Oh, you were, uh, hey, I always appreciate it. This, this has been fun. And, uh, you know, keep, keep chasing that, that unicorn dream out there because it's, it's fun to see somebody score a big one. You know, they've been working for a while to get that. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'd like to invite everybody to uh, take this opportunity and visit the Bourbon Road Facebook page. On the Bourbon Road Facebook page, you'll hear all kinds of stuff about the Bourbon Road. But the most important thing we'd like you to do is look for that groups button on the Facebook page and go to the Bourbon Roadies Facebook group. That's our private group uh, where people who are um, like-minded, who enjoy the show, gather and talk about all things bourbon. We take pictures of bourbon. We, we share bourbon with each other. We share pictures, do reviews. But we want you to join the Bourbon Roadies. We're going to ask you three questions. We want to make sure you're 21 years old, that you know you're getting yourself into a bourbon group. And that you also understand that we enforce niceness. We want you to be good when you're on there. We don't want you to slam anybody, tell anybody their decisions on their bourbon is bad. We just want you to get along. Now, do we want you to tell the truth about what you taste? Yeah. If you drink a bourbon and you don't like it, tell everybody you don't like it. Tell them why you don't like it. That would be the key right there. Why? Why? So what it, What was it about it that you didn't necessarily care for? A fair know? review. But, but remember... Your bourbon, your way. So, you know. Nobody will jump on you for your yeah. review. Now, they might disagree with you, 
but they're not going to trash your review. Right, right. So we invite you to come on to the Bourbon Roadies and spend a little time with us. We've got master distillers in there, industry experts. Virtually everybody who's ever been on the show is a Bourbon Roadie. And uh, we're just a good group of people that like the same thing. Uh, we also have uh, an Instagram page, at the Bourbon Road. By the way, our Facebook page is at the Bourbon Road. We have a f- website called thebourbonroad.com. And on the Bourbon Road website, you'll find our blog. Mike does a blog every week on our long format show, which is an hour-long show with a guest usually. On Mondays, we do a Craft Distillery Monday review, which is a review of a craft bourbon or sometimes a big boy. But it's usually a short format show. And usually we'll release a, a, a recipe at the end there, of something to do with bourbon cooking. It's kind of neat. Mike couldn't be with us today. You can find him at One Big Chief. I'm Jay Shannon 63, and we will see you down the Bourbon Road. We do appreciate all of our listeners, and we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with us here on the Bourbon Road. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and if so, We would appreciate if you'd subscribe and rate us a five-star with a review on iTunes. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Bourbon Road. That way you'll be kept in the loop on all The Bourbon Road happenings. You can also visit our website at thebourbonroad.com to read our blog, listen to the show, or reach out to us directly. We always welcome comments or suggestions. And if you have an idea for a particular guest or topic, be sure to let us know. And again, thanks for hanging out with us. 